0: Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerscoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On today's episode, we're delighted to be speaking to Nick Brown. Nick is the UK Sales and Marketing Director at Markel International and has been with Markel for the last three and a half years. Nick has worked across the UK, European, and international health and financial services market for the last 25 years. And today we are talking about ways in which commercial brokers can become strategic partners to their SME client base. Good morning, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. I'm quite excited about what we're going to talk about. I wonder if you'd like to give everybody a bit of an overview about who you are and and where you work?
0: Yeah, sure. So good morning. Great to be on here. Hello, everybody. Um, So my name is Nick Brown. I'm the UK Sales and Marketing Director for Markel. I've been at Markel for just over three and a half years. Uh, And very simply, I took on a brilliantly exciting challenge of joining Markel to bring... All of the various businesses that we've acquired in the UK into one brand, um, pull together uh, and execute on our value proposition in order to grow our business. And the Broker Channel is a massive part of that. So uh, it's great to get the opportunity to talk to everybody
1: absolutely and I think what what we really want to concentrate on today is around a white paper that you guys wrote uh, last year which for anybody uh listening will be there'll be a link to it in the show notes and I highly recommend you uh, you have a look at it so Nick do you want to to give an overview of the white paper what's in it and and why you guys wrote it
0: yeah sure so I think that um, we've never done anything like this before so it was the first time that we'd kind of decided to a think about the intellectual property that we had available and to see whether or not we could generate some interest and education and information etc to the broker community around the SME market. We hadn't seen much being done in that space and it was fascinating because uh, two things happened that I wasn't really um, prepared for. One was that um, just the breadth and depth of the SME market is quite breathtaking and the diversity that's in there and the challenges that they face uh, is genuinely quite inspirational looking at it from a provider perspective. And secondly, when we went through the white paper and did our own marketing, we had a massive amount of interest. And, you know, when we do direct marketing campaigns and you know, broker activity, you kind of get a feel for what works and, and what doesn't work. This absolutely blew us away. So uh, I don't know if any of you have actually looked at it already, thank you very much, because the idea is to bring together and give some, give some context to the SME market provide some really useful information, some statistics um, that tell a story about really where the market is going, the challenges that it's faced, and where we believe ourselves as providers and yourselves as brokers um, can really focus uh, to ultimately protect our businesses and grow.
1: I think that's one of the things that struck me about the white paper, because you've absolutely hit the nail on the head in that respect. It is really a a sort of a deep dive, I hate that term, but whatever, uh, into the SME market and like you say, the breadth and depth of the challenges faced, particularly in the last 12 uh, months or so. And one of the things that we work on at at Boston Tullis, as you guys know, Mm -hmm. is that thought leadership type of marketing. And our experience is also that when you've really understood who your client is and what they're facing. You become the consultative seller. The entire buying cycle changes. And actually, I think that's really, really important in, in today's world, particularly given some of the challenges that the insurance industry's faced uh, over the last uh, sort of 12, 18 months. And I'm thinking PR and that kind of stuff. I know that's quite uh, close to your heart. Do you want to uh, yeah. follow on from that?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the, so the white paper at the time was genuinely an opportunity to kind of start to move away from the discussions around COVID and start to start thinking a bit more proactively, a bit more positively about the industry because the industry has been dragged through it in the media, right? And I'm talking mainstream media. So we've got much more balanced view, I think, in terms of the insurance media that we all see. But for mainstream media, I think you had pessimistic customers in the shape of SMEs that have you know really seen some what they would perceive to be some really bad behavior from insurers you know, manifesting in an FCA court case and only this week Sarah we've seen this kind of re-emerging of people being too slow to pay the claims that they've been told they need to claim so you know part of it is around using this white paper and having this conversation is we have to all do a better job to represent our industry because you know the majority of us, work in an ethical and highly customer-focused way. Um, and I feel that now's the time for us to really push that because I think it's something that's been a bit lost and definitely overtaken in the last 12 months.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it it comes down... Da- I mean, COVID obviously has been unprecedented changes yeah. globally, personally, professionally, emotionally, every which way possible for pretty much everybody. But the, the movement towards this... Um, Sort of customer centric approach has been coming for a long time. and what the sort of digital world can do in terms of disseminating information to people that helps them then and there is absolutely phenomenal when you bring in algorithms and even something as simple as a zoom call and that you and I are now you know recording a podcast on um, what you can do, a lot of the bars have, have gone so so what we should be doing as an industry, is using the channels we've got available to really give advice, which we are very well positioned to do. And one of the things I love, I I love stats, right? And no, I love and hate stats um, (laughs) because, you know, double-edged sword. But um, one of the things your white paper brings out very, very strongly from the analysis you guys have done is what your clients, your sort of end customers, the policyholders were coming to you for for additional outside of insurance support. But what has always struck me about our industry is risk is one very small element of of, um, an overall business strategy. And we're very well place to support with the tax, the legal, you know, and you go into detail in, in your report. Do you want to give us a bit of an overview of, of what sort of facts and uh, sort of stats you've seen coming through over the last year in the various different departments you guys have?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we offer a um, a legal advice line and a, and a law hub, which is a kind of a digital repository for SMEs to go and find a whole wealth of information Advice, guidance—you know—dummy and template documents that they can use for their own purposes. But during COVID, we saw a huge increase in the amount that our advice line, if we focus on that, was used. And you know, we are getting about, on average, about 120,000 calls a year. That went up to 250,000 last year. So, you know, we've seen double the amount of people calling, and we were lucky. We were able to draw on some of our experience, obviously, having a law firm, having a specialist tax consultancy. We wrapped that in our proposition. We were spending a lot of time communicating to brokers saying, here's the 101 on furlough. You know, no one, everyone thought furlough was how long a horse run, kind of won a race by, you know, not too long ago. The reality is is that there's a, a piece which is, guiding people through that, guiding people through how you took advantages of loans, the furlough scheme, everyone was just kind of pulling information from wherever they could find it. And I think that the brokers responded really well to us giving them the tools to be able to talk to their customers, to give them some direction. And for us, you know, whilst we've got that capability, this is the the point you made earlier about Becoming more customer centric, moving around and understanding the customer's needs. And this is what our strategy is all about being a specialist, right? Diving into the detail, understanding the customer, and having a range of products and services that actually add value to them rather than just intermediating, placing, and risk managing insurance. Now, we want to be much more proactive than that. So, um, that's where COVID gave us a huge opportunity uh, to be able to showcase that capability on something so relevant. But as we've talked about before, my kind of bit is SMEs have crises every day, right? In various different shapes and form, and I think it's taken the global pandemic and the crisis around that for us to maybe start making some traction about going further and the relevancy of that. So we're desperate through the white paper, through our engagement, to make sure that stays focused because adding value to the customer, supporting them, is a really strong way of getting this industry back on track in terms of from a customer's perspective. So um, we're very much looking forward to pioneering that, I think.
1: You know, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that strikes me as we're talking is, it's the friction. So let's take the the SME world. I know it because I live it. The SME world is full of friction because you wear so many different hats and you're pulling so many different levers at any one uh, perspective. I don't want to go to my broker to ask about... uh, specific risks my lawyer to ask about this my accountant and if i could have a cohesive frictionless approach to the business strategy and and sort of the fundamental parts that i need to to, to cover off that has value particularly in the world that we are going into over the next five to ten years and and what i mean by that is uh buyer behaviors changed yeah. if you think of of i mean my kids it's just ridiculous. I remember my daughter walking up to the TV and trying to swipe swipe it. They're digital natives, right? Everything they do revolves around uh, digital stuff. So so this sort of frictionless, immediately accessible uh, support is is almost an expectation. And it feels very much to me that our industry is very, very well placed to jump in there. And you guys, obviously, that's part of your or your value proposition which i think is incredible
0: yeah no, i mean i couldn't agree more it's absolutely uh, the way the way forward in terms of being able to build deeper relationships gives you more awkward contact points to evidence and showcase your capabilities i mean that's marketing 101 right
1: Absolutely. We've been speaking to uh, somebody uh, very recently about moving the sort of business operation out of silos and into, uh, again, the cohesive uh, sort of approach to, I don't want to say selling, but to supporting your customer, because I think that's much more what everybody's about now.
0: Yeah, I think that you're right. And the example of being frictionless in that process is, is so important. We, we are dealing with, as an industry, a whole variety of challenges. Right, We just end up dealing with it as a provider at the point where financially it's affected them. Right, Why wouldn't you extend that to start having that dialogue earlier? Right? Because in many cases, right, our advice and guidance can support that claims process, potentially even reduce it, or eradicate it altogether in certain circumstances. So you know, our strategy is very much around ensuring that those tools are available. And we need brokers to buy into that because they're the channel that we can access those customers through. So it's it's a completely cohesive um, kind of engagement that we're looking for.
1: We did um, a, a presentation for the MGAA, uh, I think it was December now. One of our partners is a health and safety um, risk management DIY online system and it's aimed at the SME market and the price point is aimed at the SME market and um, what they offer is literally you log in, you've got your own portal, it's branded to the insurer or the broker uh, and it is um, a full um, industry specific, it gives you all of the the risk uh, assessments that you would need, advice um, and it's such a phenomenal tool And that is, you know, very aligned with what you guys are talking about and the way that the entire industry is going.
0: Yeah, I mean, sounds fantastic. The idea of being able to, to, if if you're a specialist, you can target on sectors, you can understand them more. You can understand their behavior, you can understand their needs, you can understand their challenges. And if you're in that kind of strategic place in terms of where you want to take your business, you're able to then build those tools and understanding so that you're, Able to go wider within that kind of a uh, more specific channel, which it sounds like they've done. You'd have to give me the details of them. I have to look it up when uh, uh, after, uh, after we've done this.
1: Super. I, we, I absolutely will because I think it's a phenomenal tool. And um, so one of the one of the things that uh, I did a long time ago now, probably a year or so, maybe even more. I uh, did an interview, a podcast interview with Peter Cullum. Right. and one of the things that Peter said was and I can't remember exactly the dates, but I think he was sort of saying by 2030, 2040, the big players in our market are going to be Amazon and Google. And that's because everything is going algorithm-based and uh, there's a massive amount of money being pumped into that sort of the technical side uh, now. What I find interesting is, and I've, I'm seeing it more and more. And Peter did reference a, a, a Chinese company that's in a book called uh, "The Second Curve" by Charles Handy. I would highly recommend. And what he was talking about is is the way the whole world is changing, and how it's not enough to do what you've always done because you're not going to get what you've always got. That's that's n- no longer the case because what we've done in the last few years, particularly the last twelve months, is such a massive 180 that we need to start thinking differently so it's yeah. almost the entire business strategy for intermediaries and I'm 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 not saying brokers I'm thinking you know other intermediaries uh, you know across industries need to be thinking about a more cohesive approach what forces they can join up with and how and I think it, I think it's so interesting to watch what's going to play out over the next 5 to 10 years
0: yeah, so I think, that that, I think that's the interesting bit. So Peter's view in terms of that time horizon is the next kind of 25 to, to 50 years, right, in terms of that massive change, which I think is right. I think there is going to be a shift. I think that what we will see is that we all know that we've got certain customer types that genuinely have more straightforward business operations than others. And that doesn't mean they're bigger or smaller. They're just less complicated and less risk. And they do lend themselves, and as we've seen with Actress over the last 10 years, right? They lend themselves to a simpler transaction based kind of um, engagement, which really lends itself to our industry in terms of that more algorithmic digital based approach. So I can definitely see there being a trend to online management of a large number of SMEs in the UK by intermediaries and providers alike. I think there's always going to be a space. For the more complex um, customers that have got more diverse businesses that desperately need the advice that insurance brokers can provide, the risk support they can give, and then lending itself to a wider kind of um, support vehicle, that doesn't mean the other ones are not going to need support. They're just going to need content and direction given to them in a different way. So I do think that there will be a divergence of the way that the customer is managed based on their complexity. We've seen that in other industries.
1: Absolutely, and and the the more complex business arrangements that are requiring uh, you know the the sort of relationship based support by default need the full cohesive package.
0: Yeah.
1: So by sort of the next level up from what we're saying is, again, plays into uh, buying behaviors and and selling cycles and all of these good things. The stickiness of a customer is so super important, particularly given the way things are changing. So the more ways in which you have contact points, giving advice, and are sort of in bed with that business, the, the more uh, stickier they're going to be, which is just a, a common sense perspective. But everybody says it, but what does it mean? And how, as the broker, do you make that happen? How do you, And how do you do it in a way that is within your, your business culture you know, to everybody, because you, often you come across, you know, this kind of circumstance whereby you've got the account exec who are absolutely, excuse my friends, shit hot on, you know, commercial business risk. But actually, if if you need them to speak about the legal implications, tax, they lose confidence. So it's almost, a you know, a difficult thing to do. But it is yeah. certainly worth putting the time in to make that happen.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. It's interesting that you talk about putting the time in for stickiness because I think that's right. But, you know, cracking in the last three and a half years that I've been in the market, I've talked to lots and lots of brokers. All of them tell me about how new, new business is so important to them, right? I'm not seeing huge swathes of new business switching between brokers at a rate that would say that there is a competitive environment for that. So, you know, the reality is is that if you're going to talk to your, your customers and add value to them in order to keep them, you can also do that to get them off someone else, right? So the reality is that without doing that, you end up back to the good old cycles that this industry has been used to of hard and soft markets, no pricing sustainability, uh, and price being the lowest common denominator to determine whether or not something's good, right, from a customer's perspective. Yeah, you know, you speak to anyone that's worked in pensions and life insurance, right? That's where it started, 1% world, digital automisation, Right? and a huge reduction in the number of people that work in those industries. And we've got to take that collectively and start to add value to the customer, widen the conversation away from just capacity, right? appetite, you know, pricing in terms of the cheapest wins. Um, because on that basis, if we continue doing it, this industry is going to be a lot tougher over the next five years for providers and brokers alike. We've got to do something against that. Because you see behaviors like you create behaviors like you've seen in the last 12 months, which, again, is not great for the customer. So that's what it's all about. Without being too evangelical about it, it's the opportunity that understand your customer provides.
1: Something you said to me uh, a different day was uh, yesterday, in fact, was around the risk for an SME doing X is not any different today to what it was that's right. You know, six months ago or a year ago, the actual risk is not any different. And this, you know, price discrepancy, driving everything by underwriting is quite difficult and is leading to a lot of SMEs and people outside of the, the insurance market is so bloody complicated to anybody outside of it. Yeah. Wholesale brokers, retail brokers, MGAs, uh, carry, ah, uh, who, what, why? So for people outside of the market and for the majority of SMEs who probably don't have a huge... um uh, you, may not be, you know, reading the Financial Times every day and watching the stock market and understanding the wider implications. They're not really understanding what's happening or why, and that yes. is, that again is another thing that just uh, gives a negative feeling towards the industry. So I think you're absolutely right, and I'm interested to see how how we come out of that.
0: Yeah, we've got a, a speaker slot at um, at Bieber. um, you know, a few insurers and, and brokers to talk about. Um, the PI market and challenging the way the markets run, because I think there is a long-standing traditionalist view, especially in PI as an example of, well, capacity comes into the market, right? The price goes down. Capacity comes out of the market when times get tough. The price goes up, and that's the cycle. Come on, right? Come on. I'm not having that. Right? There's a uh, there's a bit which is there's a whole. We're all to blame if that's generally what, what has been happening, which I think it probably has. But the sustainability and customer focus is something that having worked in many mark insurance products and markets around the world, you know, they're two words that I used to hear a lot. Sustainability, the customer. I very rarely hear that in commercial lines. And that's something where the principles around getting close to the customer, widening the scope, moving away from that underwriting and capacity-led view of leading the market I think is absolutely critical for us to kind of win back confidence and drive value out of this market, of this uh, industry.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I just want to jump back to something you said a moment ago about um, new business. Some of the conversations we have a lot is, a, is around new business. And some of the conversations that we don't have so much, but I think we're having more of now since since uh the world we live in is around renewals and actually you've already got these customers the relationships already there what are you doing to contact them not not eight weeks before renewal monthly possibly every other week with information like you guys are providing Absolutely. um it's it's critical and it's not just critical it's absolute business sense and that if you call that marketing i think it turns people off sometimes Marketing yeah. uh, marketing's almost like a dirty word so i prefer to use i don't really know what i prefer to use but there's Engage. got a, Engage.
0: engagement
1: there it is so that engagement with your existing customers around all of the portfolio of products and services that you are able to offer whether through your own business or through your, your carrier partner etc use it, make it happen. And, and one of the things we do, as you know, is we, we do lots and lots of podcasts and we're starting, we've we've had a, a huge influx of um, people asking about, how do I do these podcast and video interviews with my niche industry that, you know, the industry that I, I want to become the thought leader in that industry. And what we keep yep. saying to people is, all you need to do is record your client interviews, ask your client what keeps you up at night, press record on zoom or teams or go to meeting whatever the hell it is and you've got the raw content that gives you so much really interesting speaking to the market at the time they need it just press record that's all you need to do
0: you're you're right and the most bizarre thing is that uh, when you're engaging with a customer around even if it's just a renewal when it's at that point when you're reviewing their risk profile you are finding all of that out right it isn't a massive jump to understanding what, what keeps them awake at night is one thing. That's where we kind of we're indoctrinated to go. There's the things that could go wrong. Here's the solutions when they go wrong financially, right? Well, by the time a claim comes through, the SME, depending on what that claim could have been through, the business owner could have been through the ringer for six months, right? Trying to find his own support. And you know, this is where directionally we've got this opportunity to go there further. Right, from a broker's perspective, from our perspective, let's get involved in supporting them because the claim right, is kind of the end of that process for them. Right, All those late-night worries right, have been happening up until that day. This is when the money comes in. So it doesn't solve the problem. And I think that that's where getting into that claims chain and that value chain and understanding the risk and coming, bringing it back to the customer's perspective really is what our strategy is all about.
1: I'll tell you something else that I've come across, which I think makes that point really, really well. So I've come across a company that offer trauma care support at the incident. So uh, natural disaster, Beirut uh, yeah. blast, uh, political violence, terrorism, flooding, etc. And what they offer is immediate on-site response. So where there is, for example, um, there was Colorado shootings recently within two, I don't know the actual numbers, but literally, you know, few hours, there's on-site trauma um, <clears throat> counsellors for yep. everybody in the vicinity. It's not a case of going, right, uh, you know, this happened in a hotel, Um Employees, this way. Let's go get some support. The rest of you, go figure it out yourself. And it's again, it's back to this cohesive nature, and what and they offer support for everybody. And it is, it's a a policy add-on that insurers, uh, you know, insert into their various policies, along the lines of what Zurich have just done with the flood policies, offering counselling support. But it's a, you know, it's it's even broader than that. I think it's incredible, and you can see all of these tiny little increments. Moving around the world, and it's all hopefully going in sort of this same direction, which I just think is awesome.
0: Yeah, let love It's from a health and benefits perspective, where I've been previously, that kind of employee well-being, the services that go alongside that. Well, I mean, we have all experienced that, but you know, are we doing the same for the business owner? You, know, you mentioned it, probably not. And I think that there is an opportunity to to dive into that. Funnily enough, one of the things that I think's been kind of innovative. And I think that we do it again. Some do it well, others don't. Cyber seems to have been embraced by everybody by going, yeah, this is definitely the next thing, right? And I think that there is absolutely right some credibility behind the business risk that's associated with that. But what I've seen is cyber is being sold to different degrees of success, right? By providers, by brokers. The successful ones. Are selling it as a service. They're not selling it as an insurance product. Anybody that's approaching it from an insurance products perspective, right? In terms of the base, here's the risk, here's the solution, here's the price, they're selling it. So, yeah, that for me is a massive indication of where we see cyber sales rocketing. Right? We are getting it, right? And there's now this is almost because it's new. We've given some focus around it. The reality is the same approach can be taken for our core products and services if you provide that reach with a provider that can give you that reach. And I think that that's quite um, quite telling.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And one of the uh, sort of iterations that we're thinking about is doing some interviews with people that have uh, suffered a cyber breach or uh, yeah, some of the, the value added services that, you know, the services that we're offering to find out how it affected them and what, you know, what it did for them.
0: Absolutely. And I tell you what, the exa- when you're going out to a customer talking about HSBC had a £500,000 data breach, you're talking to an SME, you ain't going to be selling cyber, right? Because the SME is going, that's never going to happen to me. So putting it into context as you've just identified, bringing it to life is absolutely critical in terms of that piece. Funny enough, if you look at the industries that are profiting out of COVID-19, tech support and tech companies are finding that they are getting much greater revenue because SMEs are going, I've now got to work from home, which means everyone's taking their laptops around. Is my network secure? Is their Wi-Fi secure? Actually, can they even get into emails right, and the order system? So there's been a need created for greater support. And you know there's a great opportunity there just within businesses embracing the future ways of working.
1: It's funny you say that. We've just taken, uh, we've just uh, signed up with a partnership with a, a, a security team for us because exactly that. How do we? know? In fact, we we suffered with. I say suffered. We had um, one of our um, somebody that works for us got an email from a personal account of one of our directors, and she was obviously switched on and said, "Hang on a minute, this is a bit weird. Is that normal? You've never emailed me from this before," but. Me, my emails, um, sometimes I accidentally send, I've got about five different email addresses and it comes from various ones and you could do that easily. And, you know, had that email come to me, I might've just assumed he'd done it from his phone and it had come the wrong way. So that's what made us go, okay, we need to make sure our filing system is secure because we give client access. How do we make sure that clients have got access to the right uh, folders and we're not causing any gdpr bloopers or anything like that actually let's just bring someone in to do it and that
0: and you know what that's the that's a really really good example of where us as an industry have started to understand that with something like cyber it isn't just about quantifying qualify the insurable risk right because a lot of that is not a risk it's a business risk right and we've got to start thinking about our customers as Absolutely, making sure their insurable risk is there to the level that they need it, but that is different to their business risk. The business risk are how it affects them, right, at the time. I mean, that's it's not a great jump, and that cyber is a really good example where that's coming together.
1: And and that jump is essentially the fundamental basis of your white paper and yeah. our discussion. Yeah. Thinking about the business risk, the business challenges, and the business opportunities that your clients thinking of, and what you can do to support. Another exact, uh, another really interesting example is, uh, I'm working on a, a side project at the moment, which I'm very, very excited about, and it's totally out of my comfort zone, but I'm loving it. And in a conversation with uh, Simon, he was telling me about the um, R&D tax relief that you, yeah. you know, that you guys do. We've just engaged an R and D tax relief specialist to help us with some of that kind of stuff, and actually, oddly enough, our insurance is through you guys. So we came, my uh, co-director and I came off that call going, "Oh, we should we should go with Markel to get um, to get the insurance when our, our new business venture is up and running, and we can do this through them." So it, it's it's so conjoined, and I'm really uh, excited. And if, you've, and
0: if you've watched this podcast and thought that there is something that resonates with it, definitely watch the R&D one, because it's the most underutilized government grant sector in the UK, specifically for SMEs, able to support them where they're invested in growing their own business. You can get the money back, right? And it's just like a great way of adding value to your customers if you make them aware of it, because a lot of people aren't.
1: I was blown away by that when we, and it's only recently we've come across it. So I am looking forward to doing that podcast as well because I'll learn a lot. So um, I think on that note, uh, Nick, I've really enjoyed that. That was a really interesting conversation. thank Thank you very much.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.